So think about a plane taking off from an airport with lots of passengers in it. Before that plane takes off, there is going to be a very detailed inspection of every aspect of that plane to make sure that everything's working, right? Like the fuel pumps, the engines, making sure the wings are on, you know, making sure that the flight gear, all that stuff, landing gear opens and closes. Very detailed inspection of every part of that plane because lives are at stake. Lives are at stake. And the reason I mention that is because in today's passage in Luke, God is going to help us make a detailed inspection of our faith. Detailed inspection of our faith. To help us inspect our faith to see, is our faith in Jesus Christ biblical? Is it true? Is it saving? There's other kinds of faith. If you ask somebody out in the streets today, is it important to have faith? Almost everybody would say, well, yes, but we want what the Bible describes as saving faith. That's what it's all about. And it's crucial to inspect our faith to see if it's saving because eternal life is at stake. That's what we're going to be seeing in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. So let's turn there. This is an amazing passage. I love the story. Luke 17, 11 through 19. What do we see happening here? Verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem... He, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. Now, young people, children, this isn't leopards, like the animal in the jungle, okay? Lepers are people who are suffering from a disease called leprosy. So Jesus met ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master! Have mercy on us. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him Thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, the Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Powerful passage. Let's start with this question. Who does Jesus meet? Look again at verse 11 through 13. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So Jesus is met by 10 lepers. Now, lepers are suffering from a terrible disease called leprosy, which causes the extremities in your body, your fingers, your nose, your ears, to just like be destroyed. Um, they They fall apart. 
they deteriorate. But not only that, in Bible times, if you had leprosy, you were quarantined away from your family and away from society. You needed to live by yourself or with other lepers. Heartbreaking. So imagine, we hope this wouldn't happen, but if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were back in Bible times, diagnosed with leprosy tonight, that means that you'd be saying goodbye to your family and your friends, and you'd be living somewhere else, all apart. So leprosy was horrible, physically, emotionally, and socially. It was horrible. And as Jesus is traveling, he meets 10 lepers, They're standing at a distance, as they're supposed to, and they've heard about Jesus. They've heard that he heals paralyzed bodies, and he restores sight to the blind, and they've heard that he heals lepers. They've heard that, which is why they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And how does Jesus respond? Next question, verse 14. This is amazing. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, pause there. In the Old Testament, if somebody who had leprosy, who'd been ostracized, away from family, away from friends, if that person got better from leprosy, then that person would go to the priests and show himself, herself to the priests so that he could be certified as healed and return to his family. So first you'd get better, then you'd go visit the priests. Now Jesus reverses the order here. Did you catch that? He tells these ten lepers to go to the priests before they're healed. But they'd heard that Jesus works miracles. They'd heard that When people do what Jesus calls them to do, amazing things happen. So even though it would have felt strange to think that you are going to go to the priests before you're healed, that's what they did. They obeyed Jesus and headed to the priests. And what happened? And as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. Now just imagine that this happens to you. Okay, There you are, you're with nine other Leprous people, you're heading to the priest, you're still leprous, you're trusting Jesus at some level, and all of a sudden you feel your fingertips start to tingle, and the fingertips on your hands, are you can see them being restored. And you look at your friend who's, who's lost his nose, and it's growing back, and this other friend is, the ear's back, and you're, you're all completely restored. You're all whole. You've all been healed through Jesus. That's what happens here. That happened to all ten of them. Now the rest of what happens here, Luke is focusing our attention not on the ten, but on one of them. One of them. One leper. So what does this one leper do? And look at what we see in verses 15 through 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, 
giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So see what's going on here. The ten are walking. They're still leprous. They're walking. They're going to see the priests. And as they walk, they are all healed. Now, nine of them keep going. They're heading to the priests. They want to get certified. They want to get back to their families. Nine of them keep going. One of them stops. Stops and turns around. Turns back to Jesus. And what he does is described in three ways. This is really powerful. First, he's praising God with a loud voice. Now, what's a loud voice? You're shouting, right? You're screaming. You're yelling. I praise you, God. Your glory, your power, your compassion, your mercy. Praise God. He doesn't care what anybody else is thinking. He's praising God with a loud voice. Then, when he gets back to Jesus, he falls on his face at Jesus' feet. Right in the middle of that dusty road. Again, who cares who's looking at him? He's on his face before Jesus Christ. And third, he gives Jesus thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what this one leper did. The nine are heading out. They're on their way out, heading to the priests. They went on their way. This one leper praises God with a loud voice as he's heading back to Jesus. When he gets there, he falls on his face at Jesus' feet, and he's giving thanks to him. But there's one more crucial point that Luke emphasizes about this one leper. End of verse 18. Now he was a Samaritan. He, I'm sorry, end of verse 16. He was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. Who are Samaritans? Well, here's a map, just so you can see where we're talking about. It's an area. Palestine, in Bible times, is divided into three sections. To the north, the top, was Galilee, where Jesus grew up. Nazareth was there. Galilee's in the north. Jesus was heading from Galilee down south. Next down is Samaria, where Samaritans are from. And then further south is Judea, where Jerusalem was. And this event is happening between Galilee and Samaria. The Jews tended to look down on the Samaritans because they had created their own version of Judaism, their own version. They had their own laws that they wrote. They had their own version of the Old Testament. It was just the first five books, but even those were changed. They modified those. And they did not worship down in Jerusalem They built their own temple on Mount Gerizim right there in Samaria. So they created their own version of Judaism, and the Jews looked down upon them. And this one leper who turned back, loudly praising God, falling at Jesus' feet and thanking Jesus, that one leper was a Samaritan. Very important lesson here for us. We'll come back to that. He was a Samaritan. And in the next three verses, Jesus explains what happened to the Samaritan. What has happened to him? So what does Jesus say happened to the Samaritan? Look at verses 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, he's talking to the Samaritan, 
were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now notice, Jesus wants us to see very clearly the stark difference, the massive difference that there is between the nine who continued on their way to the priests, get certified, get back to my family, the big difference between the nine who continued on to the priests and this one Samaritan who stopped, turned around, went back loudly praising, yelling praises to God, falling at Jesus' feet and thanking him. Certainly he was going to go back and get certified and get to his family later on, but no, first, first, something else. Stark difference between the nine who went on their way and this one Samaritan who came back. And why is this difference so important? I think the answer is in the very last verse, kind of the the punchline of the story, verse 19. And he, Jesus, said to him, the Samaritan, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, what does that mean? There's two ways of translating that phrase, which here is translated, made you well. There's this way, perfectly valid way. This is from the English Standard Version, which I used to study, and it's a great translation. And if we take it that way, then what we're saying is that what Jesus is saying to this Samaritan is that your faith has healed you physically, made you well. It's healed you physically. But there's another way to take that phrase. Exact same words, another way to translate them. And other versions translate it this other way. So instead of saying, your faith has made you well, they translate it, your faith has saved you. Not referring to, you're physically healed, but referring to the fact that you've been spiritually saved. Now, both of these are valid translations. It's just one of those times where you've got to think, okay, uh, the Greeks could take it, be taken either way, so how do we know? Well, we've got to look at the, at the story, look at the flow of story, how the story develops to see what makes the most sense given the story. Does the story end with Jesus telling the Samaritan that he had faith to be healed physically? Or does the story end with Jesus telling him that he had saving faith, he had saving faith, which also brought him salvation spiritually? Which is it? I think it's best to take it as your faith has saved you. You do some more thinking about this. You open up the Bible, you study. Let me give you the reason why. I, I think it fits the story. See if this, if this helps you. Again, think about what's happened in the story. All 10 lepers, they cry out to him, Jesus, for healing. He tells them to go to the priests. And even though they're still not healed, they, they've got some level of faith to trust. Well, Jesus has done some amazing things. I guess we'll trust him. They, they, they head towards the priests. They have faith to obey and do that. And on the way, they're all healed. So all 10 have that kind of faith to be healed. And they are healed. But only the Samaritan turns back, shouting praise to God, falling at Jesus' feet, and thanking Jesus. So why would Jesus then say to the Samaritan, 
you had faith to be healed physically. He already knew that. He'd already been healed physically. That happened before he came back. He knew. So I think it makes more sense to say, and see if this sounds right to you. Jesus is saying, not you are just healed physically. He's saying you are saved spiritually. The fact that you came back, returned to me the way you did, shows that you have saving faith, which saves you spiritually. Not only are you free from leprosy, and God clearly healed this man of leprosy, and the other nine as well. Not only are you free from leprosy, but you've been saved spiritually. Your sins are all forgiven. You've been reconciled to God. You are going to have the joy of knowing God now and forever. You've been saved spiritually. Your faith has saved you. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the point of the story. Only the Samaritan had faith that saved him spiritually. The others had, had, had a kind of faith, which I've heard he does great things. Let's try it. Let's go to the priest and see what happens. And they were healed, but only the Samaritan had saving faith, which saved him spiritually. And I think that the reason the Holy Spirit has Luke include this story from Jesus' life in his gospel and emphasize the things that he does is because he wants all of us to be asking, do I have saving faith? Am I saved spiritually? Careful inspection of our own hearts. Is there saving faith there? So let's focus on that question. How can I tell if I have saving faith? How can I tell? Now, I need to give a caution here because we all have different like personalities and, and temperaments. And I, I'm sure some of you here are too hard on yourselves. And you spend too much time not being sure that you're saved. And you're being too hard on yourself. That's the problem. So if that's you, be aware of that and hear what I've got to say, but be aware of how you may tend to take it and go in the wrong direction, okay? Are we clear? You promise you'll do that, right? Are we clear on that? So some of you can tend to be too hard on yourselves, and that's not my intention, so take it and understand how you can tend to take things. But others of you, I would guess, are too easy on yourselves. And maybe you've never even wondered if you have saving faith. Maybe you've assumed it for whatever reason. I would encourage you to diligently look at this passage and see what Luke writes here and ask yourself, do a careful inspection. Do I have saving faith? Lots is at stake here. So how can we tell if we have saving faith? Well, one way that we can't tell, one thing that doesn't show us that we have saving faith is just because we've experienced miracles or blessings from God. The reason I say that, the other nine had been healed, miraculously healed. I mean, supernaturally, amazingly healed, the other nine. But they did not have saving faith. They were not saved spiritually. They had not been forgiven for all their sins. 
They were not reconciled to God. They would not have the joy of knowing God from that point on forever, unless something changed, which we hope it did. So don't make the mistake, which people can make, that because you got the promotion or because a family member or a member of your extended family has experienced a remarkable healing, don't make the mistake of thinking, well, that, that means that, that you're saved. We hope you are, but that's not how you can tell. It's not because miracles have happened. So if miracles or blessings don't show that you have saving faith, what does? What shows? And as I looked at this passage, I see three marks of saving faith. This passage doesn't prove that each of these are marks of saving faith. I think this passage points in these three directions. So with each one, I'm going to give you a scripture that I think does prove it, that explicitly links these to saving faith. So I think this passage points in these directions, and I'll back it up with confirming passages. So how could we tell if we have saving faith? First, saving faith sees and loves the glory of God in Christ. Saving faith sees, not, not, not physically with your eyes, but the, the eyes of your heart, you, you see and you feel the glory of God in Christ. When the Samaritan turned back and was loudly praising God, that word praising has the idea in it of seeing God's glory. The eyes of your heart, seeing, sensing God's glory, and loving God's glory in Christ. That, that's what's going on in that word praising there. So he didn't just see Jesus as a miracle worker. Wow, he's just, got, he's just really gifted, like amazing. No, 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 no. Not just a miracle worker. He saw Jesus shining with God's glory. That's what the Samaritan saw. So in Jesus, he saw God's power. God's authority, God's compassion, God's mercy, God's reality, God's goodness, God's glory is shining from Jesus. He sees that, and the glory that was shining from Jesus was God's glory because Jesus was and is God. Just like the author of Hebrews says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory because he is God. So saving faith sees and loves the glory of God in Christ. Now, does that happen every time somebody's saved? Is that a mark of saving faith? And the answer is yes, because of what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says that every time God saves someone, he shines into their hearts the light. Well, let me just read, I'll read the verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's a quote from Genesis. It was all dark. And then God said, let light shine out of darkness. And what happened? There was light. Boom. It's like a floodlight in a stadium. Boosh. Light shined. So for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, our believers, every believer's heart has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You remember 
used to open the Bible and just, it's words, just words. Blow off the dust, just like, you know, just words. But then God changed your heart. He saved you. And when you read scripture about Jesus, when you read scripture about just all the scriptures, when we sing songs about Jesus, you're seeing and loving his glory, God's glory in Christ. That's what happened to this Samaritan. As he was walking toward the priest and healed, the eyes of his heart, they were opened. So he saw Jesus is not just a miracle worker. He saw the glory of God in Jesus. This Jesus is shining with God's glory. And God's glory shining from Jesus is so spectacular. It is so amazing. It is so beautiful that he was shouting all the way back to Jesus. So saving faith sees and loves God's glory in Christ. So here's the question. Do you see and love God's glory in Christ? Second, saving faith falls at Jesus' feet in confession, surrender, and trust. When the Samaritan saw God's glory shining from Jesus, he would at the same time have seen his own sinfulness. So it always happens. When we see God's glory shining in Jesus, we see our own sinfulness because God's glory is beautiful. It is perfect. And it's shining through Jesus' perfection, Jesus' sinlessness. And that shining of glory reveals that we are not glorious. We have sinned against infinite glory. And so, as he fell at Jesus' feet, the Samaritan would have been confessing his sin. Forgive me, Jesus. He would have been surrendering to Jesus. I want to turn from my sin. I want to lay my entire life, every part of my life, at your feet. And he would have been trusting Jesus. Jesus, I trust you to forgive me. I trust you to to change me, free me. I trust you to fill me, meet me. So saving faith means falling at Jesus' feet in confession and in surrender and in trust. Now, I'm not saying that saving faith always means physically falling at at Jesus' feet, but it does mean in our hearts we're, we're falling at Jesus' feet in absolute conviction, confession, surrender, and trust. That's our heart demeanor before the Lord Jesus. That's how we live. We're we're completely confessing, surrendering, and trusting in him. And that always happens when somebody is saved. And I say that because of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verses 13 and 14. Look at what he says. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the man who beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, this man went down to his house justified, forgiven for all of his sins, rather than the other, 
the self-righteous Pharisee who we'd mentioned earlier. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So whenever someone is saved, they are humbled before the Lord Jesus. They are confessing, they are surrendering, they are trusting. That's the second mark of saving faith. So ask yourself, are you in your heart confessing before Jesus, surrendering to the Lord Jesus, and trusting the Lord Jesus? That's the second mark of saving faith. And third, saving faith includes thanking Jesus. Thanking Jesus. Now, understand where this is in history. The cross hasn't happened yet. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he is going to be crucified. So he has not yet paid on the cross for the sins of everyone who's going to trust him. That is still in the, in the near future. He hasn't died on the cross and, and risen from the grave victorious. That has not happened yet. So the Samaritan is not clear at this point how Jesus can forgive. That'll become clear shortly, but he's not clear yet. But he knew that Jesus had forgiven him. He felt the weight of guilt lift off of him and the pardoning love of God pouring down upon him. He knew he'd, he'd been forgiven and he knew it was because of Jesus, and so he was thanking Jesus. Thankful. Thankful. Jesus, you've done something for me that is amazing. And I didn't deserve it. It was a gift. I didn't earn it. That's what Thanksgiving is. What you've given me is precious beyond words. And it was a blood-bought gift. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It's astonishing that I have it. You've given it to me. Thank you. That's what is in the heart of the Samaritan. And that's what happens whenever somebody has saving faith. Deep, joyful, humble thankfulness. Look at Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. Here's a verse that explicitly links those. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2. It's talking about someone being saved. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. So the Samaritan thanked Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's the third mark of saving faith. So ask yourself, are you thanking Jesus? Is thankfulness to Jesus in your heart? So Jesus' point here in this event, Luke's point and what Jesus is saying in, in what he says to the Samaritan, is that only the Samaritan had saving faith. Now, don't miss how earth-shaking that truth would have been. Because remember, I mentioned the Jews tended to look down on Samaritans. And here God has 
chosen in his beautiful plan to have to, to save the Samaritan. The Samaritan's the one who was saved. It was the Samaritan who was saved, which is good news for us, folks. It means anybody here can be saved, right? No matter what ethnicity you are, what race you are, what gender you are, makes no difference. Samaritans could be saved. We all can be saved. It's not just the Jews. It's all of us. But Jesus' point is to make clear that only the Samaritan in this story had saving faith. Only the Samaritan saw and loved the glory of God in Jesus. Only the Samaritan fell at Jesus' feet, confessing, surrendering, trusting. Only the Samaritan thanked Jesus, which is why Jesus said to him, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. You're not just healed of your leprosy. Your faith has saved you. That's what he's saying. So ask yourself, do you see and love God's glory in Christ? Are you in your heart, on your face before Jesus, confessing, surrendering, trusting? Are you thanking Jesus? If that's in your heart, then tonight Jesus is saying to you, your faith has saved you. You've been forgiven for all of your sins. You've been reconciled to God. Now and forever, you will always know the joy of beholding God, fellowshipping with God, loving God, experiencing God's presence. Your faith has saved you. Now, if that's not what's in your heart, then I have really good news for you. Look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. See Jesus, his love displayed in dying on the cross to pay for rebels, for sinners like you, like me. Jesus Christ laying his life down to save all those who would put their trust in him. Jesus who was willing to be punished in the place of those who would have saving faith. So look at Jesus. See his glory. Love his glory. And as you see his glory and love his glory, fall at his feet in your heart and confess and surrender and trust. And then right now, right now, in your heart, thank him. Thank him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying for my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for all your promises, which are true for me now and forever. Thank you for living water, which I can turn to at any time during the day and be filled and satisfied and strengthened and comforted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then Jesus will say to you, your faith has saved you. Let's stand. I pray, Lord, that you'd help each of us
carefully inspect our faith, our hearts. Lord, you'd help us, those who tend to be too hard on themselves, guard them from that, but those who are too easy on themselves, guard them from that. And Lord, would you help us see what you are saying to us tonight? And I pray, Lord, for those who aren't sure or those who know they don't have saving faith. Oh, Lord, let them look and see your glory in Jesus Christ right now and in their hearts fall on their face before you, confessing, surrendering, trusting, and thanking. Grant that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.